gentlemen, and welcome to another Dish Yelta Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. Yo! What's up, yo-yo? What's up? What's up? Ladies and gentlemen, this, of course, is... I, of course, am your host, Charlie, and I'm joined once again by the prolific cover himself, Zelius. Word up to your earphones. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Thursday Night Hangout. It's a live show. We try our best to cover the topics most important to you during the show. If you have any topics, questions, or opinions, comments that you want to add to the show, all you got to do is drop it into the chat, be it on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitch. If we do unfortunately run out of time for your topic or question, we will add it to the very next show, which hopefully will not be as long as the the break has been last time. Um Last week, uh, I believe Zelius was under the weather, and I also had pink eye, so I could barely see. So that wasn't going to work. And then the the week prior, we had a show. However, the audio was so janked up that we were unable to. Uh, I was unable to recover uh, the show to make it interesting. I, I tried, but it it no worky. You didn't want to reenact the voice for both of us. No. So we have a lot of stories to uh, to talk about here um, as a result. The first one that uh, we are going to talk about, though, is uh, something that happened at Gen Con, which uh, happened, I guess, two weeks ago now. Um, and that is that somebody made off with $300,000 worth of Magic the Gathering cards while at Gen Con. That's a hell of a uh, swag bag. Yes, but here is the thing. So here is the kicker. And this is what really hurts my soul is that it turns out that uh, the culprits, plural, uh, were individuals showing off their game at Gen Con and used their dolly to just wheel all of those Magic the Gathering cards out the door. I mean, if you think about conventions, though, I mean, we've all been there before and after hours. There's a lot of trust built in, honestly, Yep. that people aren't just going to walk off with shit. And I would say most of the even vendor like booths, like you're not talking hundreds of thousand dollars and stuff, but there's always probably like what was stolen from. There's always a couple of those vendors that actually have like rare items worth like bukus of money. Mm hmm. Uh, and I, yeah, that's an interesting proposition. Um, I'm sure it goes through their mind of like, do I leave the stuff in here overnight and assume it's going to be safe or do I take it home? Um, I know like when we go off to the big robotics competitions and if it's an overnight event, people will actually take the robots away from the convention hall for that exact reason. Yep. Because they don't want it being, you know, messed with or something happened overnight. Why the, you know, their pride and joy gets destroyed overnight for some reason. Um, same thing here where, you know, you leave it overnight in the convention hall and, you know, somebody. Because even though, like, they technically block it off, if somebody really wants to, it would not be hard at all to sneak into those convention halls, those to the vendor halls. Yeah. the the Most vendors utilize the... Uh the magic uh, sheet over your your uh, merchandise, yep. and that should protect it, should be in the operative word. Um, but, I mean, okay, so stealing is bad. 
And <laughs> I just want to, I just really want everyone to understand that Alter Confusion is a very, very, very um, uh, strong supporter of the thought that stealing is very bad. Okay. Now, that being said, one, how stupid do you have to be to try to do that? And two, they have absolutely tarnished their reputation as fellow game designers. So, yep. I mean, they, you know, they got double bad. I mean, at the end of the day, though, all of the thieves and everything else, they all have a job of some sort. It just yeah. so happens that these, the Venn diagram happened to intersect with your game developers at the convention. Therefore, they knew that there was something valuable just chilling there waiting to be taken. Yep. Um, I mean, if you think about it, again, I would never actually propose this, but like take a dice vendor. How easy would it be just to walk off with dice and nobody would notice? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's just an easy example because people are always playing with them and like nobody's going to notice one 20-sided die you know, disappearing out of a bed. And there's a lot of different vendors like that where there is a bit of good faith that, you know, people aren't just going to walk off with your shit. Yep. Um, and hopefully they don't because they shouldn't, um, you know, because most of those, you know, you're talking about these small indie developers, like literally these convention vendors that's their own money that they spent to purchase this stuff to then be able to turn around and sell it to you so like if you steal from them you're literally stealing from that person maybe not behind the booth but somewhere along the lawn yeah um, so yeah it's no bueno not nice to do that at all well i know for the the uh the times that we have a fan table we well at momocon we um, hide all of the stuff underneath the table. Yeah. Uh, when everything breaks down, we don't leave things out. Um, just because if someone were to try to take our stuff, it would you know there's a lot more, in you know in needed to be done in order to get that stuff. So if security were to just accidentally stumble upon it, they'd be like, uh, "What the hell?" Um, you mean like putting a TV on a dolly? Yeah. Trying to leave with the TV in the middle of a convention. I mean, okay. Well, let me ask you this: yes. when you've walked in, if you walked, when you walked out with your hardware at the end of the day, has anybody actually stopped you? Be like, "Whoa, is that your TV, bro?" Well, see, I mean, is... you know, like, I nobody. It's not like people are stopping people when they're leaving the vendor hall. To the only place I've ever actually been checked. Mm -hmm. is at the art, so at Dragon Con in one of the basements where they have the art exhibit, or they call it the art show, mm -hmm. they do check you when you leave. Mm -hmm. That's the only, at a convention, of all the conventions I've been to, and that's only one tiny, you know, hole of Dragon Con. Right. That's the only place I've ever actually been checked at any convention anywhere to verify that I'm not walking out with something that I shouldn't be. Right, well... The other thing, well, most of those like art halls or art exhibits or whatever, those are some really expensive pieces. Um, and they, you also, 
there's a very good chance in a lot and well at least in a couple of conventions that where I've gone into the art room where the artist might not actually be standing near their artwork so it's a little bit easier to swipe some of the pieces um well, yeah, I mean with how busy some of those vendor halls are it yeah. if you wanted to it'd be easy to swipe pieces yeah uh it's just the cold reality especially because you know if I'm talking to you as a vendor and I'm over here looking at your stuff like you just can't be watching multiple things at once especially if it's a larger booth right uh, yeah um, so the question I have for you, Celius, is, uh, since we're talking about conventions, are you ready for DragonCon? DragonCon! Um, no, not even close. <laughs> <laughs> I still have a lot of work I have to do. Um, so basically I have my TARDIS death. I've been using uh -huh. it for the last number of years. Uh -huh. And I've attached LEDs to it mm -hmm. with a double-sized TARDIS on the top. Mm -hmm. The problem I'm having is I have to get the... LED is like up through the tortoise that's on top of the staff head. Mm -hmm. And so I 3D designed my own like thing because you have to have it hold on to a, P it's a PVC pipe is what it, the staff is. Gotcha. But it magically has to stay on there somehow. Yeah. Without, you know, gravity taking hold. Mm -hmm. um, so just getting that all together has been a lot of prototyping and retrying over and over and over. Mm -hmm. um, I think everything is where it needs to be, and I can hopefully finish it this weekend because uh, I have a lot of gluing I also have to do, which needs time to dry and cure. Gotcha. But yes, we're, and I'm actually staying in a hotel at the convention for the first time ever. So that should be entertaining. More partying, man. More partying. More kitchen kids get off my lawn. I'm trying to sleep up here, damn it. Well, that's it. That too. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen, work or happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, just even like we're talking about the vendor hall. I mean, it's you know, with how packed that vendor hall of Dragon Con is, like you would not notice if somebody just walked out with a bunch of random stuff because there's just people everywhere. Yeah. It's it's pretty nuts. Um, yeah, we'll see because there's no cap at all this year either. Um, in previous years, they've done like day caps and other things. And this year, it's just a uh, free-for-all to go get your badge. Which scares the crap out of me. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you have the writer strike and the actor strike going on. So okay. that's fun. Um, whereby, so, like, the actors are still coming. Yep. That hasn't changed. It's just a matter of what content will they actually be talking about. Because um, not all TV shows are technically under the Saga Guild. Um, like, British shows are a good example where a lot of them actually aren't. Right. A um, lot of the internationals. Yeah, so it, it'll depend a lot on what panel you go to. But, like, for instance, like, if you go to it's um, Frodo and Samwise will be there. Mm -hmm. And so they might be talking about vacation. They took in New Zealand. Yeah. So, which could actually be more interesting, honestly, than a typical panel. Like, you might actually hear, I think, more interesting stories about them as, you know, people yeah. than you might otherwise actually hear. So that, in a way, could actually be kind of fascinating to hear some of those panels and what they have to say um, versus, you know, talking about the same scene in Lord of the Rings for the 800th time. Right. Well, 
you'll have to you'll have to inform us uh when you come back from dragon con how they how, how everything went down now uh something that happens at a lot of conventions is uh gaming tournaments i know that momocon has quite a few of them and there was a recent scandal that broke out at the Pokemon World Championships. Oh, dear. Uh, it turns out that quite a few uh, players uh, utilize third-party applications to generate uh, Pokemon with optimal stats for mm. the, um, the Pokemon Video Game Championship, also known as Pokemon VGC. Uh, so there was like a huge wave of disqualifications <laughs> because people and wanted that these were third party clients that are not allowed. Yes. Well, no, okay. the thing, the thing is you have to, um, uh, you have to gain them the old fashioned way. And, uh, there's also, uh, there's, oh, let me see here. Uh, the, the thing that was really weird, uh, was the fact that it wasn't until the, the matches actually started or were almost through that the players were DQ'd. Huh. Uh, so as, as, as someone, uh, who has done gaming tournaments, if you're, if an individual is bringing in their own stuff. I would think that there would be some kind of vetting process, but apparently, I mean, you know, but also knowing the amount of people who probably are uh, competing in this thing, I guess I could see that that not really uh, registering in the radar until it's up on the big screen and people are like, whoa, wait a minute. That's. I mean, that'd be really hard to vet. I mean, yeah. wait, even like, remember back in the day, we had the TI calculators. I'm sure you had those teachers where when you started a test, you were supposed to wipe your calculator. Right. Well, you can modify your calculator to run a program where it looked like you wiped it, but you actually didn't. Yep. And I mean, that was 20 years ago with a very simple TI-83 calculator. I had an 82. 82, yeah, 82 or 83. Not a plus, just the boring old version. Yep. Um, and... I'm sure I mean, with the PC, it's pretty trivial to do the same thing. Yeah. Um, so that's not surprising. It's kind of like doping at the Tour de France, where it's like everyone does it, just who gets caught. Right. No, no, and and, and uh, it apparently the the uh, the vetting uh, for hacked Pokemon has been is in years past has been very lax. So there have been individuals who've won who've had an entire roster of hacked Pokemon. I mean, I say when it comes to that, if you're bringing your own or your hardware, yeah. let people do whatever they can to win because yep. you know they're going to anyways. Yep. So at that point, just let the best hacker win. Screw it. True. True. I mean, it's either you got to like play it on a Nintendo yep. Switch or whatever. So like it's fair. I mean, I guess you could hack your switch that you bring in, but still, um, it's either got to be that or just let every you know Pokemon fight for its own fight, own right to hack. Right. Hmm. Yeah. 
All right. Let's say let's also share some mm, sad, slightly sad news, I guess. Don't the, make me cry on air, man. The original voice of Mario, Charles Martinet, has decided that after basically being the voice of Mario since Super Mario 64, he has decided that um, he will, he's going to step away. Uh, from being the voice of Mario. And well-deserved. Um, I mentioned this on the uh, Discord, but we actually, it's probably about five years ago, I think, he was at the Dragon Con Walk of Fame. Mm -hmm. And friends I went with went as Mario and Luigi. Mm -hmm. And when they saw each other, like he went out of his way, like to talk to them, separately from like the line which you're not really supposed to do as a art famous person and like did the photo and everything like for free because he was so enthusiastic about the mario and luigi all of which you're not supposed to do but for him it was just a cool like hey these are like this is my fans these are my people i want to like interact and hang out with them basically right. and he just kind of hung out and he was a cool, cool guy yeah, that's what I've heard is he's been he's a really cool laid back guy. Uh who definitely lets his uh nerdum show. Yeah. Um, so I, he, he deserves his uh retirement. I still have not seen the Chris, Chris Pratt version. I finally saw it. It it was nice for Martinette to have a couple of cameos. Um mm. But, yeah, Chris Pratt and the phony Italian accent was not good. Uh, but the, the I mean, you know, they, to be honest with you, I felt like they tried to do too much in that. Uh, they added, um, they added the Donkey Kong universe into it to, like, spice it up a little bit, which was weird. Uh, so they could get a Mario Kart kind of thing going it, but I mean, overall, it's it's a cute, fun, stupid movie. But it's not in my mind. I'd rather watch Sonic than the Super Mario movie. I just do want to see it eventually because of Jack Black. Yes, Jack Black as Bowser is really good. That's what I've heard. I've heard he's amazing, yeah. but it's Jack Black, so he's amazing. Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong was kind of because eh, it's it it's basically. Seth Rogen, it's as if he were cosplaying as Donkey Kong. There's, there's, I mean, it's, it's Seth Rogen. That yeah, sounds about right. So, anyways, but yeah, that's how I feel about the Rock in any of his current movies. He's playing the Rock, the rock mm -hmm. with like jungle attire now. Yeah. That's about it. That, that, that's, that's who he plays. Yeah, he cosplays as himself. There's a lot of actors that do that, unfortunately. That's a true statement. <laughs> Anyways, um, another story. Let's let's talk about something that was just revealed very recently, and that is the PlayStation Portal. And that, my friends, is Sony jumping once again for the third time, at least the third time, 
back into the handheld universe. Handheld. Yep. Uh, it, it, I believe the if I read this right, uh, the price tag is going to be 200 bucks, and it's going to be available end of the year? Is that right? Or is rumored That's to be? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting device, but it has a couple of fatal... Okay. Is this basically like the Vita 2.0? So I'll give you the... So here's my pluses for it. I'll, give the, okay. I'll start with that. All right, let's do it. Um, it has the true PS5 DualSense controller, literally cut in half and attached to a screen. Uh -huh. And the PS5 controller is awesome. Mm -hmm. So it has that, it's the true controller, and you're playing like actually on your PlayStation 5. So it's not like an emulated state or anything. It's not like your remote play up to the AWS server. You're actually playing on your PS5. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're like on the go and you want to play, it's also um, an eight-inch screen, so it's a pretty good-sized screen. It's not like, you know, I mean, it's going to be bigger than your phones. So it has that going for it, in my opinion. Yeah. That's it. Um, <laughs> that's that's the that's one it. plus. Like, <laughs> it is, because, like, the problems are so many-fold. A, it's $200, which you can get a bloody switch light for $200, or you could go get yourself a... Um, what should I call it? A um, Steam Deck used for two hundred dollars, and still install Sony Remote Play and do the same damn thing. Mm -hmm. And oh, have a um, Steam Deck at the same time. Um, and like the other thing is, literally, all it does is literally just Remote Play to your PS Five. Like I would have thought, honestly. That this would have been the perfect opportunity to be like, oh hey, it does the you know remote play to your PS5. That's cool. But oh, if you have a PS5 Plus subscription, which a lot of gamers have, mm -hmm. then it also streams all those games because like a lot of the back catalog and shit streams now. So oh, you don't even need to talk to your PS5 or whatever that case is. It just magically streams it and whatnot. Like that would actually be kind of cool, honestly. Like it's a bonus, eh, not a bonus. It's an actual feature to add to the device, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it doesn't do any of that. And what really pisses me off is there's no Bluetooth. It's meaning you apparently the only thing you can use for headphones is like the proprietary and only certain version of their, not dual sense, whatever, dual something, whatever like their proprietary audio for their headphones is, mm -hmm. like the only way you can wireless headphones. What the actual fuck? Like, I know it's Sony. I know they like to tie people into their own proprietary systems. I totally get it. And like, on a hardware console, PlayStation 5, okay, it's dumb, but at least get it because it's your in-house hardware. But for a freaking mobile device, not to have Bluetooth so that you can play with what everyone has now is Bluetooth headphones Oh my God, seriously. And I know why they're doing it because they want people to buy their own stupid proprietary Sony headphones that nobody actually wants and nobody's going to actually buy. It's just stupid. Absolutely stupid. Hmm. That's my rant. Understood. And like, I love the PS5 console. It's great. This is just dumb. Yeah. 
Well, to be honest with you, I mean, the PSP was was cool, okay? I'm going to fully admit the PSP was cool, and being able to uh, remote play poorly, but remote play PS1 and PS2 games through your PlayStation 3 onto your PSP was kind of fun. Um, But that being said, then they had the disaster that is the PSP Go. Then they had the PS Vita, and now... I don't understand. Like, go true handheld. I mean, the problem is, I mean, this isn't to counteract that, but to add on to that, you're already competing with the Switch and the Steam Deck, and now everyone else seems to come out with their own version of the handheld device at the same time. So now you have this ecosystem where, to your point, is like if they're gonna do a handheld device you actually have to do a handheld device that can play devices beyond just on the go like something it's so like here, here's the thing you you can't take this out with you can you no well that's yes and no yes you can play over wi-fi elsewhere mm-hmm. but again oh yeah i'm going i'm going to go fly 10 hours to europe i'll just play my ps5 the entire time well that'd be great if the wi-fi works on the plane yeah. oh and you can't play it during turbulence or when you're going up or down because they turn off wi-fi and all that shit oh you want you know you have a daily commute on a train oh it's great except for trains go in and out of wi-fi because you know mobile transit and stuff um like so yes you can like hell would have actually been useful if you put like a freaking lte chip in there and then you could you know okay you have to get your own extra verizon subscription like you can get like you can do it with your ipad same thing right right but at least then you have an option to be able to like have a persistent connection outside of wi-fi it's just like any possible feature they just added no features absolutely zero features like none. It has a headphone jack. That's it. Ooh. Like literally, that's the feature. It, like, hey, Apple, we still cut the headphone jack. Um, kind of sounds like getting a brand new car that's got a tape deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just I have a very like. So I mean, kind of peripherals like the um, PSVR two to me made sense. Like, I mean, we can. We know VR is a fad and whatever, but at least from a pricing and hardware perspective, in the current hardware ecosystem, the PS5 VR2 at least makes logical gaming sense Mm -hmm. from a selling hardware perspective. Whether it's going to be successful and all that stuff, who knows? This makes, to me, in the overall scheme of the hardware ecosystem, like it's dead on arrival, honestly. I just don't see the market for it. Yeah. With none of those features, because like, oh, I can have a $200 device in my house to go play my PlayStation on my bathroom toilet. I don't know. It it seems absolutely silly without any of the possible features, which, okay, maybe would have driven up the price, but really like with what it's competing against, I just don't, see it and i agree i don't see it as well um 
But uh, yeah, I mean, you can buy an Android tablet yep. and slap on like some cool razor, like, you know, one of those um, built in um, controller things for your um, little phone yep. for like basically the same price. And guess what? That all has the Sony remote play. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's actually an Android tablet, so you can do other shit on it. Hmm. Extra functionality. Yeah. I just it kind no. it kind of reminds me of uh, the uh, the Steam Box, which was a computer that only does Steam stuff that you plug to your TV. Which I have a computer which has Steam and other stuff that I could plug into a TV if I really wanted to. And actually, the one of the the um, one of the computers right behind me is plugged into a TV. <laughs> Actually, two of my computers just plugged into a TV because the uh, the convention uh, computer is plugged into the uh, the plasma. You mean you're a big forty two inch space heater? Fifty inch space here. Thank you very much. Ooh, you know, I think it's probably worth like more than you bought it for. Probably, because it's a plasma. Yeah, things heavy as hell, though. I tell you what. Yeah, I would not um, want to wall mount that. No, God, no. No, I thought about it for half a second, and I was like, there's no way. That's terrible, yeah. That that thing would fall down in within, like, the first week. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out the target audience, honestly, for this. I mean, there is, but it's going to be so bloody small where it just... No. It's it's super Sony fanboys that need the the latest and greatest super shiny thing. I mean, hell, if they made a handheld device like this, and let's just say, not PS5. Okay, what about this? Just, uh-huh. I don't even know if this is technically possible, honestly. Okay. I mean, we have a we have the Steam Deck. It has to be possible. Yep. A portable PS4. Yeah. For let's just say four hundred bucks. Okay. Yeah. Like, same exact form factor with the controllers and all that shit. It plays PS4 games natively. Oh, and also does remote play back to your PS5 if you have one. Yeah. That, to me, would actually make sense for a couple hundred extra dollars. That, I think, would actually have a market. Because um, then you're competing, yes, with the Steam Deck and the Switch, but there's actually useful functionality. And hopefully it has Bluetooth. Yes, that would be nice to, to be up to date on the the technology that exists in this world. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, whatever. Yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to pause real quick and uh, thank the individuals who make uh, Alter Confusion the Alter Confusion you love and adore, and that, of course, is the friends of the show. So let's start off with the Indie Cluster. The Indie Cluster is an organization of independent game developers that want to gain exposure by being involved in the community. They collectively journey to popular conferences as a traveling booth to help gain attention for their games. They make partnerships in local communities to bring games to the mainstream mindset. They highlight local, unusual, and rare concepts to challenge the paradigm of the common. They also host events to teach kids and minority groups about game development to hopefully one day enter the industry themselves. For more information, go to IndieCluster.com. The next shout-out we got to give is to the AV specialist himself, ladies and gentlemen, Noodle Boy Media. 
Founded in 2015 by Andrew Trent, Noodle Boy Media, previously White Kid 47 Media, is your choice for professional photo shoots and panel recordings at conventions. They pride themselves in providing a high level of professionalism, top-notch experiences, and quality services. If you want more information and to view their full list of services, check out facebook.com slash noodleboymedia. Of course, the next shout-out we got to give is to the gentleman who can help get all those gaming aches and pains out of your shoulders and back. Uh, that, of course. And he was actually here today, ladies and gentlemen, Hero Chiropractic. Hero Chiropractic is a unique healthcare practice set up by Ryan Moore, the company's focus to elevate a patient's experience of freedom, creative expression, and joy. They believe that everyone can be a hero and has incredible heroic potential inside themselves waiting to be unleashed. Hero Chiropractic focuses on mobile chiropractic care in the greater Atlanta area. They are committed to healing clients by creating a plan of action uniquely suited for each person. They make that plan of action as convenient and affordable as possible, and most importantly, suited to your individual needs. For more information, go to HeroChiropractic.com. Now, let's talk about the music maestro. The gentleman who helped Ultra Confusion out when a random uh, music thing occurred. And ladies and gentlemen, Crosspad Creative. Need a new logo or want to work on a full branding and content strategy? Or maybe you need music or audio for your content, just like Alter Confusion. Crosspad Creative offers a whole host of solutions for individuals and small businesses. Just email josh at crosspadcreative at gmail.com and see what he can do for you. The final shout out we got to give is to the original patron and huge supporter of Alter Confusion. That's Agile Axiom. By day, Ax leads both a development team and system administration team working with satellites at NASA's Goddard campus. But while not in meetings and many times during, he is the Agile evangelist Agile Ax, championing the philosophy of Agile and trying to make the world a better place for software developers, testers, system admins, and software projects the world over. Decades of experience in software development and leading Agile teams are brought to bear against evil processes, inefficient work, and bad habits. For more information and to check out his book, go to agileaxiom.com. Now I know that everybody is clamoring to find out how do I become a friend of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I am happy to report that Ultra Confusion survives on the love of support of fans like you. And that is why we have a Patreon page. Patreon lets you, the fans, lovers, haters, demigods, intermetral beings, gods, demons, aliens, mummies, vampires, swamp creatures, supporters, and more to become active participants in the work we love through a monthly membership. This gives you access to exclusive content, community, and insight into our creative process. In exchange, we gain a bit more freedom to do our best work and the stability we need to build an even stronger creative career. We currently have two different tiers. You got the $1 tier, that's $1 a month or $12 a year. And what you get at that one is early access to all of our playthroughs, as well as the ability to participate in patron-only posts. Now, if you're feeling extra frisky, you can jump up to the $5 a month tier. That's $5 a month or $60 a year. Not only do you get everything at the $1 tier, but you also gain your name or organization added to the friends of the show of every single Thursday night hangout. So if you want to become a patron of Alter Confusion, all you got to do is go to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Altered Confusion. Now, of course, the other thing that we are always super duper proud of is, ladies and gentlemen, 
For the 12th year straight, Alter Confusion is proud to say that we will be fundraising for Extra Life. Extra Life is gamers doing what they do best game to help sick and injured children at their chosen Children's Miracle Network Hospital. The money that we raise through Extra Life will go directly to Children's Healthcare of Atlanta as unrestricted funds. This means that the hospital decides where and how to spend the money to ensure the dollars we raise make the biggest impact of the lives of the kids they treat. So if you have the capacity to donate, please go to extra-life.org and search for Altered Confusion. And I know that uh, somehow uh, this year when you go to extra-life.org uh, and search for Alter Confusion, it didn't pull anything up. I have fixed it. So now when you actually type in Alter Confusion, it actually pulls it up. So moo-ha-ha-ha-ha. Because I felt really, really stupid for for screwing that up. Because usually I do an Alter Confusion team and then put myself underneath it. But for some reason, I just had myself as an individual uh, but I have since corrected that. All right. You're a team of Charlie. I'm amazing, okay? Simply amazing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on to the next story. The next story is the fact that Baldur's Gate 3 is going to the Xbox. But it will be lacking the, uh, the split-screen co-op feature. Which, to be honest with you, I don't think many people are going to be whining and complaining too too much because Baldur's Gate 3 apparently is a phenomenal game that's mind-blowing and even non-gamers want to play the game constantly. The one thing so, I've heard is if you like don't optimize well it apparently can actually be really hard. <laughs> you mean uh, optimize your characters? Yes. Well that's basically I mean you look at all the Baldur's Gates or any of these games that um that utilize, uh, you know, stats and skills for leveling up purposes. If you screw that up, you could be a very charismatic individual who uh, is being destroyed one hit by all the characters because you stupidly had that as one of your major things. But here's my problem. I get like, this game sounds silly, mm -hmm. but I get so like psyched out by knowing that where I'm like, do I want to play this game and invest like 80 hours knowing that I might just screw it up and not be able to beat it anyways? So why even start? True, true. I think you just have to risk it, man. You just gotta I don't know, I don't know. But here here's my problem, okay? I have uh, I've got the dilemma of I'm very interested in playing Baldur's Gate 3. I'm also very interested in playing <laughs> um Starfield, Ooh. which is coming out at the beginning of next month. And there's no way in hell I could juggle both those games at the same time. Those uh, are both... Are you still playing Zelda? Okay. So, Zelda. Or do you want to finish off those two first and get back to Zelda? No, 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 no. Okay, so here's, here's my thing. I finally figured out how to get the fifth Sage. And it was stupid and kind of like convoluted how to like unlock that quest. But I finally did it, okay? I got the fifth uh, sage. I did a couple more side quests, and I'm like, all right, I am ready to do the end game. And just as if you've ever played or anyone who's ever played a game that has, like, you know, boss dungeons will tell you, you don't immediately go to one place and then there's the boss. You basically yep. have to navigate through room upon room upon room to finally get to the boss. Yep. So 
One of the features in Zelda uh, Tears of the Kingdom is something called Gloom. And it's basically if you come into contact with it for long enough, you the hearts that you have in Zelda will become basically these cracked hearts, which means that you cannot heal until you uh, take a potion or eat some food that basically gives you those hearts back. And the final dungeon, the one to get to Ganondorf, is basically Gloom Central. And not only is the gloom everywhere on the walls, on the floor, on the ceiling, uh, but all of the enemies are also um, infused with gloom. So when they hit you, it's the same effect. So uh, I'm, I think I got 75% of the way through there uh and then had to teleport out because i was like i i've broken all of my weapons uh i've run out of food uh i'm not going to be able to get to gandorf if i if i do though he's gonna massacre me so bad it's it's not gonna be a fun experience um so i i kind of had a roadblock <laughs> Uh, I think I'm going to have to do a lot more side quests uh, and level up basically all of my... I've leveled up my basic armor, but I need to level up like the gloom-resistant armor, I think, like so in order to get through the the uh, up to Ganondorf, and then I'll switch back to my my regular armor. So, Damn. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be painful. But that being said... Um, I mean, I I have gotten my money's worth out of that game. Uh, I've also had a shit ton of frustration because of that game. Um, so take it or leave it. I, I've basically explored all the depths, which is the base the basement level of the game. You've got the depths. You've got basically the midland, and then you have the sky world. Um, I've been everywhere on the ground. Uh, and then underground, I've been basically everywhere as well. So, it, I've 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 explored. Let's just put it that way. But yes, I, do I want to play Baldur's Gate three? Yes. Do I have the time? No. Do I want to play Starfield? Yes. Do I have the time? No. But I'm going to have to make a decision. <laughs> I think. And then also, I need to whatever game I choose, I have to wrap it up by November twenty first because that's when Super Mario RPG remake comes out. And that, my friends, I'm getting on day one, and I'm gonna, and that will, I will be solely focusing on that game. I will not be playing anything else. It sounds like, when does Starfield come out? September six. Okay, well, you can so preload now. Okay, wow. So in two weeks, mm -hmm. you should know, because I mean, every, all of the consensus is Baldur's Gate three is basically the best thing since Pong. And I guess the big question is, what will the reviews of Starfield go into? Right, right. Because um, I agree, waiting for the reviews is a good thing. I don't see an issue with that. So I think, yeah, wait to see what Starfield comes out with. And the real dilemma is if everybody's like, oh, my God, this is the best thing ever. Like, Baldur's Gate, what happens then? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's tough. I will, I will get a fancy coin and flip it. <laughs> And knowing me, it will sit on the edge and I'll just have to stare at it. And then one day it will fall over and I'll have forgotten which one was head, which one was tails. 
I think you play both. You got two computers. Uh-huh. So you put one on each computer and you play with each hand. Okay. Oh, you get like one of those thick, like crazy fancy combo keyboard mice. Uh-huh. So you can play both simultaneously, one with each hand. Oh, Lord. No, I, I'm, totally not, I'm not that skilled, Zelius. I'm not that skilled. What about one of the computers you turn into a voice activated system? So you control your characters with your voice, and the other one you just play like normal. Uh, that's a nice idea, but I don't think that's going to work either. Damn it. Yeah, so I got last week was Wayfinder, mm-hmm. which it's a it's a basically an action RPG kind of co-op type of game. Mm-hmm. Um, I played Early Access, which I enjoyed. Well, not. I played Open Beta, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed, and now it's an Early Access. And it was $20 for Early Access, which to me was worth it. I was like, cool. Support the game I like. And the servers have been, let's just say, terrible. Um, but what is fascinating, I don't know if fascinating is the right word, is their Discord. Because mm-hmm. they have a Wayfinder Discord. Mm-hmm. And basically the entire thing is like, this is the worst game ever made. Your servers don't work. Do you all know how to launch a game and everything else? Mm-hmm. I'm like, do you people not remember what happened to Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers, or sorry, Endwalker, literally last year where they had to cut off sales of the game because the servers were broken and the queues were so damn long? Mm-hmm. And that's from, you know, Square Enix, I'm a big AAA developer, or yep. so I've told. Yep, yep. Uh, or like any expansion for like war, like all these, like any perpetually online game tends to have these type of epic failures. Yep. So I'm like, you know, I don't remember what the developer of this game or what they're called. I'm like, this is a small indie developer. Like they're not like, they don't have like a whole queue of like network engineers and, you know, shit to fix it. So I'm like, patience people, like good Lord. Like you pay $20 for the game. I promise you in two weeks, they'll have this shit figured out. It'll be the same game. It'll still be the same. It's Airship Syndicate. Thank you, Airship Syndicate. They were the they were the team that made Rune King the um um the uh one of the uh League of Legends spinoffs. Oh, interesting. They also um, were they oh Battle Crashers too. Wow. It's I mean it's a solid game. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Um when I can play it. Um <laughs> yeah. I mean it, it's it is a fair criticism, don't get me wrong. But it's like the way that the community, and this is just gaming community as a whole, I guess, maybe people as a whole, mm-hmm. like absolutely lose their damn mind. And it's like, my entire weekend was ruined because I could not play this game. I'm like, your weekend was ruined because you could not play an early <laughs> access game that literally like just dropped, then you got issues, bro. Yeah, agreed. Like, go outside and take a walk. Um, so I just, I know we've talked about in the past where, you know, online communities tend to be the main communities, like the one with the most populace tend to be uber toxic. Right. It, it's just, and this is just a good example where like their discord is just terrible. I'm like, good gosh. It didn't help that like they released on Thursday and then you get into the weekend. Mm-hmm. So hopefully the developers Got some sleep on the weekend, mm-hmm. but of course it didn't work on the weekend. Um, so it's just, yeah, 
Yeah. So at some point, I'll have more to say about the game. But from what I've played, it is a fun game. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. All right. So let's talk about uh, another online game that had some, uh, I guess, controversial news. Uh, and that is Apex Legends. Uh, it turns out that the number one Apex Legend player uh, got banned uh, mid-match recently uh, and has been accused of cheating. Now, he previously was a gamer exclusively on Xbox and constantly was <laughs> accused of cheating, so he switched to the PC. And now, guess what? Apparently, he's cheating again. So, big surprise. But at the same time, uh, it is kind of... I mean, if if you're the top player, or if you have the top player, I would think that you'd be under like a shit ton of scrutiny for a while. For it for him to be sitting up top for a while, and not, no one's, you know, maybe maybe a couple of whispers of this guy's got to be cheating, but for them not to figure it out until a ranked mid ranked match is kind of like what 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 were you doing? He was such a good hacker that they just couldn't notice. Uh, apparently, I mean, I don't. Maybe he should join the Pokemon League and cheat with everyone else. Yeah, exactly. Use that third-party program to get you the pimpin' best uh, Pokemon with the stellar stats, so that you can kick arse and take names. But I've never actually played Apex Legends. I played for half a second. Uh, their tutorial sucks balls. Uh, it only gives you one character. You don't get to choose the... I like tutorials that if you're going to have competitive play or, or PvP play, that you allow the user to try out all of the characters and the tutorial so they can see which one fits their game style best. Not, this is the one character. Because that no worky for me. Or at least have like a way you can play against computers, bots instead of PvP. That too. So it's like a lot of the MOBAs have that at least, where like you're right, the tutorials tend to not show you a lot, but at least when you join the queue, you can just play against, you know, NPCs instead of humans. No, like, no, Apex okay. Legend does not have that option. Ah, uh, well. Like Pal yeah. Paladins has a um basically a shooting range. Uh, training thing where literally you get it, it's you you get dropped into the middle of an arena that has basically four different sections uh, that has slightly different setups. Uh, there's one that's basically like a long range uh, shooting range where they have characters at uh, different intervals so you could practice aiming from close to far. Um, You've got like these. You've I've got one section that's got characters that are just running back and forth, uh, so that you get you have to aim for a moving target. There's one where you've got to um, you got one guy, one character that you can heal, so you could kind of get that feel. I mean, they they have a very nice shooting range tutorial. It makes sense. Overwatch has the same thing. They have the training, so you can take any character and try them out. Yeah. And because the same thing, like the Overwatch tutorial, you just play Soldier Seventy Six to give you like the introduction of how like shoot and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But then after that, you can then go to the shooting range with any of the characters. Yeah. 
I'm like, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, but you know, um, the, the, the one thing that, that did come out of this ban is the fact that people, gamers are impressed that even if, uh, you're elite, you are not above the law and you can get <laughs> banned for doing bad things. But it makes you wonder if he's cheating, how many of the top players are actually cheating also. True. True. You know, I mean, are we, are we about to experience a one hell of a shakedown for the, uh, the rankings of Apex Legends, or was he the only one who was cheating? I highly doubt it. I highly doubt that as well. If here, here's here's a fun little fact: if there's a cheater in a game, there are many, 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 many other cheaters in that game. It's kind of like college football, where everyone's cheating. It's just who gets caught, or they they tap dance on that line so close that it could be cheating, but is it really? Because if you interpret this rule a certain way, you're fine. Well, it also depends on what feeling the NCAA has that day, too. That's like, it. what did they eat for breakfast is what will happen. Such as you can sign an NIL deal, which is name, image, likeness deal. However, you cannot sell your autograph. What? Yeah. So two that makes perfect two sense, income man. streams, one's one's legal, one's illegal. So there you go. All right. So, so uh I got one final question for uh, Zelius and myself and it was asked uh to me and so I'm going to I'm going to give it to Zelius and then I will answer it as well. And that is in a perfect world or a perfect viewing experience would you rather watch a director's cut of a movie the extended cut of a movie or the theatrical cut of the movie what's the difference between the extended cut and the director's cut i think the extended cut is basically um because of time constraints they took these scenes out uh the director's cut i think is more if the director had a different vision than what the test audience really liked, I think. Like all the director's cuts I'm aware of, which I have not seen, are basically the Zack Snyder DCEU versions. Yes, there is a shit ton of Zack Snyder DCEU. And I don't know what's like. I feel like there's like four of them for some movies now. It's like yeah. the Zack Snyder edition, the extended Zack Snyder edition, the director's version. I'm like, what? Uh, but above all else, I'll take the extended cut. Yeah. Because inevitably what the extended cut ends up taking out is like plot and story. Mm -hmm. And so like the best examples off the top of my head are the Lord of the Rings trilogies. I knew you were going there. Like it's not actually Lord of the Rings if it's not actually four hours of Hobbits per movie. Of course. It can't be the theatrical version. Now, you know why they released it. Yep. It should just, they should just had a bloody intermission, just released the extended version in theaters. And then another one I'll throw out there is Kingdom of Heaven. Um, it's a movie about the um, Jerusalem um, Crusades with Orlando Bloom. Mm -hmm. And like, it's one of those where like the director's cut adds in scenes that the theatrical release cut out like key, like non-action and just like plot only moments that mm -hmm. bring some of the 
moments into the movie full circle. So like when you watch the theatrical version, you're like, I didn't make a whole lot of sense. And then you watch the theatrical, or sorry, watch the extended cut, you're like, oh, that's the scene that they left out that actually like was important to the story. And it seems like that's what's usually left out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's gonna sound crazy. Okay. I'm like, I love my action movies, but I almost sometimes wish they would like take out some of the superfluous action scenes mm-hmm. and keep in the actual story scenes. I know that's sacrilege coming from okay, me. Okay, so basically, uh, that cuts out most Michael Bay movies. I don't think you can have a long enough director's cut to like get the story back for those movies. Let's be honest. That's true. That's very true. Uh, Without the yeah, explosions, I, there's nothing. I can't make out what's happening in those explosions, anyways. Yeah. No, I. I, I agree. I think that um, the the interesting thing is that there's also this this happens um, with uh, international movies is that you have the original cut and then you have the U.S. theatrical cut mm-hmm. uh, yes. because apparently us dumb Americans can't truly understand the original work, so they have to rework it so our puny brains can figure it out, and that drives me nuts. If if you're gonna if the movie is good enough to get an international release, then let me see what made it good enough for the international release. Not this is what we think. This version of what made it awesome. We're gonna give you a different version so that you know. Maybe it is the more awesomer version. Did you think of that, sir? No. No. Uh, no. No. I no, no. The my. There was a um, there's an anime movie that I watched many 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 years ago. Uh, while I was at Full Sail, I had to travel like an hour and a half to the only theater in uh, like central slash cent- south central Florida that was showing. It's called Steam Boy, which is a great anime uh, movie. Uh, but so when I went to the theater and I saw it, I saw the original cut. And okay. then when it came out on DVD, it was the U.S. cut. And uh, so when I watched it the second time, I was like, okay, this is not how the movie starts. And then <laughs> there was scenes that were left out. As Zealus has explained, in the extended cuts and the director's cuts, there are scenes that are removed that could that could potentially enhance or do enhance the storyline and kind of fill some of those gaps. And that was exactly what was removed from the U.S. theatrical cut. Was now when you watched Steam Boy, I was like, "Wait, but, but they need where the hell is that scene that that basically explained what just happened? It just, it just cuts to this thing, and you're like, but but how did he get here? Who is that?" Well, like, so when, when like, their theatrical release, I got the reason then. Like, yeah. okay, you have to have enough, like, cycles for movies to show more movies to get the audience in and out. Yep. Okay, I see the logic. But, like, if it's, like, a Netflix-only movie, like, why not make a six-hour freaking extraction movie? Right. Right. I mean, who cares, like, how long it actually is? Because 
you can pause it, you can get up, you can go to the bathroom, you can get popcorn, et cetera, et cetera. You can resume so on a different yeah. TV. Yes. So I, I say make super long, crazy movies, like if they're native to Netflix or whatever yeah. streaming service they are. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think that, you know, with these streaming services, with, with original content, that they shouldn't have to be... Um, locked into this regular standard for like actual theatrical releases or it can do what was it that had the it was um the hateful eight mm-hmm. had the extended cut on netflix i don't know if it's still there but it was like a four-part episodic movie is what they took because it was so long mm-hmm. at that point i don't remember how many hours but like, it's pretty damn long and so I was like, okay, that makes sense. Cause like, you know, each of the four parts, like it was a logical episode basically. Right. It was still, you know, your classic Tarantino movie, but it had that full length of everything into it. I'm mm-hmm. like, I like that. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, if, if that's, that's a great route to go. I mean, if you want to go, you know, episodes or chapters, uh, so that you can really flesh out the story. Um, and have a story like okay speaking of movies i saw finally mm-hmm. fast nine last week okay so terrible <laughs> like so are you gonna see fast 10 i am going to eventually yes i'm not gonna pay for it but like the actual thoughts of the movie were just like so terrible like I get real, I, I totally get like suspense of belief in movies. Like it uh-huh. makes sense in movies, right? Yeah. Like Jason Bourne, it's believe it's suspense of belief, but like it was still believable in its own way. Right. But like everything that happens in Fast Nine was just like, no. Like this is just at a certain point, it's just dumb. And like not even fun dumb, just dumb. Because yeah. then like a couple of days later, I watched the Fast and the Furious, aka the OG Fast uh-huh. and the Furious, the uh-huh. one where like they actually like all four wheels are actually touching the pavement when they race. Yeah. Sometimes. Um, and I'm like, this is actually a good movie. Like the original The Fast and the Furious was a classic movie. And then you get to Fast Nine. And I'm like, what the shit is this? <laughs> I, but, I, I hear you. But what's even better though. And by better, I mean it was actually better content was Cinema Sense, mm-hmm. which I find can be hit or miss. But like Cinema Sense for Fast Nine is actually better than the movie itself. Well, check it out then. But uh, it was like everything that happened in the movie of like Fast Nine, I'm like, wow, that's, that's a bad scent. This is just dumb. One thing that I am looking forward to is not a movie, but it is a. Um... Um, it is a live action version of an anime, which, uh, is? which of course I've been burned once by the Cowboy Bebop, uh, live action, which, okay, here's the thing. If the formula works, don't fix it. Don't, don't try to make it your own. Just, I understand you want to flesh out some characters, flesh out some characters, but don't, don't go really weird. Everyone's blind and naked making red medicine shit. Like they did for Cowboy Bebop, the the new live action adaptation is going to be One Piece, 
which uh, for those out there, One Piece, I believe, is on episode 1082 now um, for the anime. And the live action is coming to Netflix at the end of this month. And the really cool thing is that the basically the creator of One Piece had to sign off on everything for the live action. So, so he it should is, actually be authentic. So it should be amazing. And I saw the trailer for it. And I have to say, I am intrigued. I want to see more. And hopefully it uh, lives up to uh, what I'm, I'm hoping for. And it's also an anime that my both my kids are deep into. So maybe I can make it a, a family affair. Nice. Yes. I'm still waiting for the live action version of Berserk. There was rumors about that but never happened that would be rated like xxx well yeah that's that too well it depends which version they go with you gotta do the blood the bloodiest you know grittiest version of berserk if you try to water that down that's just that's not berserk so whatever Ah, okay, so Zelius, you're playing Wayfinder. You playing anything else? Not right now. Right now, I'm just in getting my cosplay ready for Dragon Con. Is what I'm spending my time on. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so yes, when I get back from that in a week and a half ish, mm-hmm. then yes, I'll be playing Wayfinder. Is my goal in life. Um, I though will also be watching out for news about Starfield. Mm-hmm. Um. Like you, I'll probably choose between one or the other. Yep. Um, and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so that's where I'm at. Gotcha. I, of course, will continue playing Zelda and hopefully one day gain the uh, the confidence to once again try to take on Ganondorf's dungeon. So are you at the point in the game where you would go like online to be like, what do I need to do to beat him or to make it through the dungeon? Or are you just doing it all on your own? No, I'm doing it all on my own. The only time that I actually used I actually used the interactive map. Um mm. because I was trying to find um a specific area that's labeled on the map, but the map is so huge that I kept scrolling over it without catching it. <laughs> and so I just went to the interactive map, typed in the thing, and it was like, it's right there. I'm like, you son of a bitch. But other than that, I've I've been flying solo the entire time. So it's been so tough. one thing I did find interesting about Wayfinder mm-hmm. when you play it. So some of, some things are not incredibly obvious when you start it. Like I'm an alcoholic, right? So when I play, especially like action RPG games, I like to try like each character for like a level or two to be like, what kind of combat style do I like? Right. So when you start Wayfinder, it's like, hey, you start this character, you're going to be with it for a while. I'm like, are you really? Or is there a way to like restart or something? Nope, you're with that character for a bit. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I want to try a different character. But it's kind of cool as as you play, you start to learn that, hey, you can eventually get the shards, whatever they are, mm-hmm. to change classes for that character. And what I also like is there's four weapon types. Mm-hmm. Any of the classes can use any of the four different weapon types. So, like, I started out as like the rogue, mm-hmm. and like, you can use basically the berserker big two handed axe, 
or you can use the range weapon. So you can buy these different weapons to really tailor that class to your liking, which I think is pretty cool, personally. Sweet. Sweet. I like it. I Well, I always prefer it where they take the route, and some MMOs like Final Fantasy does, Final Fantasy fourteen does this, where like you can have one character to basically do all the different classes and weapons however you want. You can mm -hmm. swap and change in and out instead of having like eight alts mm -hmm. to then swap between those characters. So anytime a game does it where you can kind of have that one character to do everything, I prefer that for me. Um, what's we're looking for? Like feeling involved in the game. Mm -hmm. And I just prefer it that way. Always have. Rucka. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I believe we've reached the end of our show. Um, apologies for the, the late start, uh, but Outside Forces decided that we needed to do a late start. So, uh, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Ultra Confusion Thursday Hangout. For myself, Charlie, and Zelia, it's been a pleasure giving everything to come to our heads, our mouths, and of course, our hearts. I will be back next Thursday. Zelius will be at Dragon Con. I will try to get a guest uh, host. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you and good night. Remember, kids, keep on gaming in the free world. Amen to that, brother.